Hey everybody and welcome to episode number three of The Kickabout with me Chris and this week we've got Dan and Fran. Say hi boys and girls. Hi. Um, So you can probably already tell that we sound quite a lot different this week. Um, As we mentioned on last week's uh, show I am Danny Cornwall currently and Dan and Fran are tucked up at home. So we are yeah having to use somewhat different equipment to do this recording and effectively we are recording a Skype call between us so nothing like high-tech stuff on this show <laughs> so yeah so just bear with us if you hear any background noise in particular if you hear my 18 month old son crying in the background it's because he's not massively fond of the new sleeping arrangements that we have for him this week so there's every chance you're going to hear him so I can only apologize if he starts screaming his head off um Right, so um, just a quick thank you to everyone who's been listening to the show. We've had some really good feedback again after last week's show. Um, people are getting involved. We've also had some new logos and banners done, which hopefully you will have seen on social media, which look awesome. Um, massive thanks to Ryan Brudnell, who did that for us. I'm going to give him some shout outs on social media as well. So if anybody has any artwork, whether it be logos or general uh sort of design work um he's really really good so um i will give him a shout out on social media for that right we have an awful lot to go through tonight gang because it's been quite the weekend of premier league action 38 goals i think it was in the end maybe more after the leicester burnley game i'm not sure if that stat was included in that game um and how many red cards and yeah. and penalties <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> I guess we'll get into that, but how many of those penalties should have even been given in the first place? I think it's probably another question as well. Um, so, um, but we are going to start with a brand new feature. Exciting times. Um, I'm going to hand over to Dan, the stat man. And he's going to uh, come up with a stat for us, as you've just heard WhatsApp go off in the background. That's annoying. I'm going to close that tab down on my laptop. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, why don't you uh, introduce this feature and tell us what it's all about? Um, yeah, we're just quickly sorting out my microphone as it's slowly falling off the table. But um, So I'm going to hopefully start asking like a stat-related question at the start of each podcast from now on, starting from now. Um, I'll do my best to try and sort of link it in to each weekend's games. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, so I've got one for this weekend, uh, and it's Harry Kane assisted Son with four goals this weekend, but it was the first time a player had assisted another player's entire hat-trick since Arsenal played Sunderland back in May 2003. So Chris and everybody else, can you name which two Arsenal players were involved in both scoring and assisting with that hat-trick back in 2003? So you can okay. let me know at the end of this podcast. Mm, okay. You might have to remind me of the question. But <laughs> 2003. We'll remind people at the break. Yeah. Bloody hell. I was I was 13 years old <laughs> when, when that season <laughs> two, was going two on. Two big players. You're 100% with yeah. I've got an I've got a, an idea of who it might be, but yeah, we'll have a go later. Um, right, okay, and then we've also at the end of the show we've got a, an, another new feature. Um, we're going to be having a little uh, quiz, a little game amongst ourselves, which Fran is going to host, and me and Dan will duel um, each week to uh, to see who wins. So lots to look forward to on tonight's show or today's show. So um, let's get started then into the Premier League action. We're going to start with the game between Spurs and Southampton at the weekend. What a good week for Spurs it's been, Fran. Oh, 
Happy days, finally. Such a good week. So, what were you more excited about? Bale coming in or the result itself? The result. Um, Well, I guess I wasn't really... um, like well I was around I wasn't really into football I would say when Bale was last at Tottenham so um I'm excited to see what he's going to be like but I've I have I mean I've heard mixed reviews about Gareth Bale so I know from his time at Real Madrid you mean yeah because now he's kind at the moment he kind of like chills and just takes the money doesn't he he's obviously a very good player but it makes he's um, a very good golfer (laughs) <laughs> it makes you question potentially his work ethic, I guess, now, compared yeah, to it, potentially what it was. It'd yeah. be interesting to see how long he takes to get up to speed as well, because we don't know, as far as I know, I've not heard any rumours to say that he's not been training at Real Madrid. So, mm. But obviously he's barely been uh, playing in games, so his match fitness at the very least will take a little while to come back. Um, but where do you think he fits into the side? Who drops out and, and what does your side look like with him in it? I feel like what well, would be Lucas Moura would probably drop out. Mm. Although I really it breaks my heart to say that because I think he's brought so much to the team. Um, but I presume I think that's where he would sit with sort of Son and Harry Kane. Um, yeah. Well, based after the weekend's game, I can't see him uh, Mourinho dropping Son or uh, or Harry Kane anytime soon. No. Um, I mean, in in other slightly. <laughs> depends on where you come down on this but Deli Ali is also being uh, touted as being on his way to PSG would you be happy or, or, or sad to see him go I mean I used to really rate him I like was it about two two Premier Leagues ago him and Harry Kane were just smashing it left right and centre I used to really rate him but I think yeah I mean he hasn't he doesn't even make sort of he hasn't made the start in 11 for the past couple of weeks um, I mean, he's not even made the match day squad for the last two Well, he's made the squad, uh... yeah, sorry. So, um, yeah, I mean, you have to debate whether what what's happening there. I wouldn't, I don't think, uh, considering, considering how well Saturday went, it wouldn't bother me if, uh, if he went, I guess. We can manage. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier, actually, um, whilst putting together the notes um, earlier today and, and yesterday. And I think the, the crazy thing for me with Deli Ali is just how far he slipped from where he was. If you think yeah. two years ago in the World Cup, he was front and centre, really, to our plans. I know he was carrying a little bit of a knock in the World Cup and he he had a little bit of a um, a stigma attached to him in that they you know people were criticising him for not potentially putting in a big enough shift, uh, not scoring enough goals. So perhaps that was where the sort of the downhill slope started to uh, or he started to slide down started from but mm. he was still in the starting 11 in a world cup semi-final and now 18 months two years later he can't even get in the starting in the match day squad um and when Mourinho was asked about it after the game of the weekend he sort of said you know we've got too many players in that position which is effectively saying you know we've got good squad depth but I don't believe Deli Ali is good enough than any of the players that are in my match day squad which is quite a damning indictment on, on Deli Alley. When 2016 to 17 season he scored 18 goals and last season he scored eight. Mm. So there you go. And the season before that he scored five. Yeah, I, I mean I don't know whether there've been there've been rumours that him and Mourinho have fallen out. Mourinho has uh, publicly, I think it might have been on that Amazon show that's just come out about Spurs. Mm. I think he's been. Um, quoted as saying that Ali is lazy, he's not a very good trainer, 
and yeah. we know how much Mourinho loves having a little personal bust up and a little power battle with his players. You know, he's done it with mm. Pogba at United. He's he's done it at pretty much every club he's been at, whether it be with a um, one of his players or whether it be one of the staff. So. It, yeah, I think it's it, unfortunate though because I think Deli Ali is a is a really good player. It might have hindered him a bit. Lucas Moura joining. Yeah, do do you think this? I mean, from, if you, if if we take a, a look from Deli Ali's point of view, do you think this is if PSG move materialises? Do you think this is a good way for him to kind of have a fresh start and and start oh, again? Yeah. I think it'd be 100%. good in terms of his international career. Mm. Yeah, I think. Uh, it's crazy. Again, just going back to the, the England point, he is so far down the pecking order. I mean, if you think about the players in the England squad now, I mean, I don't know how far down that list he is, but he is not near the top right now. With mm. you know, you've got Foden coming in and Greenwood coming, and you know, take t- take out the shenanigans of what they did in Iceland, but they're still players that are very much in Gareth Southgate's plans. You've got Sancho, you've got Sterling, you've got Hudson Odoi, who's um, been in and out of the squad over the last 12 months as well. So. It, it, I struggle to see where Dele, Dele Alli fits in unless he starts hitting that sort of form that he was uh, he was doing two years ago. Well, I mean, after the World Cup that um, Trippier had, he completely sort of disappeared for Tottenham and then he went to um, Atletico and now he's back in the England team again. So, I mean, Dele Alli could do exactly the same, but for PSG. Yeah, it's definitely not out of the question. I mean, Gareth Southgate has shown before that he's willing to give players a second chance. He did it with Kyle Walker. He did it with Trippier, as you mentioned. Um, so his international career, the door is not shut on his international career, that's for sure. He's, but, he's still, uh, young. still a young player. Yeah, how old is it? 25. Mm. Yeah, it's easy to forget with players like Addy because he burst onto the scene and, and was having a big impact on Spurs' team at quite a young age you kind of get the feeling that he's been around forever and therefore he must be about 30. But actually, mm. as you say, he's technically he's not even in his prime years yet um, as a footballer. But uh, yeah, um, anyway, on to the, the game itself. Um, although it is worth mentioning as well, that you've also signed uh, Regulion from Madrid, if that's how you pronounce it. Regulion? Regulion? I'm not sure. Um, I think it's um, Regulion, but don't... <laughs> Regulion, don't okay. Um, we'll call him Sergio. That's easy to pronounce. Um <laughs> Obviously, he had a great season at uh, Seville last year, won the Europa League and was quoted as being the best left back in the Liga. It's a strange decision from Real Madrid to let him go. Um, but I think that's another sign that massively benefits Spurs. And I think after the weekend's game, I think there's just, it's easy to say it's after one game, bearing in mind that Spurs looked very leggy and very poor in the first game of the season. But they've certainly um, silenced a few doubters at the weekend. Um, Harry Kane four assists for for uh, for Son getting on the score sheet himself. Uh, I think Son is going to be critical this season for for Spurs. Fran, do do you think he needs to really step up this season for when inevitably Harry Kane gets injured? Well, let's hope Harry Kane doesn't get injured. <laughs> um, yeah, I no, I agree. I think I think Son is. I wish he had more consistency. I feel like that's that's maybe one of his biggest. Issues. He either has like I sometimes he either has a great match or he's just not there or like the luck's not with him. He's very much either like one or the other. I yeah. think personally. So I think if he could just work on his consistency a bit more. Um, yeah, I think I think I'd agree with that. I think um, he he does tend to to drift in and out of games sometimes, and there's not you, you need that middle consistency. If you're not having a good game. And scoring goals, you still need to be contributing something. And I think Son sometimes falls a bit short of that. Yeah, but I think him and Harry Kane were, um, yeah, were amazing on um, 
on Saturday. I think Harry Kane got his pizzazz back from somewhere. Don't know where, but I saw his Harry Kane's the first Englishman to assist four goals in a game in a Premier League game. Yes, I saw that as well. Yeah, that was a nice, nice little stat. Mm. Um, but with 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 Harry Kane, Son, and potentially Gareth Bale as a front three, um, does this change you know your perception of what Spurs can do this season? Do you think this is this is the boost they needed to perhaps challenge for that top four again? Well, it's really hard because from from Saturday's match, yeah, but from the Saturday before, I'd have been like, or whatever day it was before. I'd have been like, mm, I think you need more than Gareth Bale. But so yeah, I think it is. I think with with Tottenham, it is really just consistency. Like they need to play every game like they did on Saturday. And I think Harry Kane and Son, they figured out Southampton within about 15 minutes, and then they just knew what to do, mm. and they just kept playing the high line, and they knew what to do. But um, yeah, if they can just keep that consistency going, and with Gareth Bale for sure, they can win the league. <laughs> it's a good point you make actually about that high line with Southampton because when I watched um, the, the extended highlights of the game uh, on Saturday night I found it very odd because Dan will know this when when uh, when we play on a Saturday if you get beaten by a long ball or you get um, one pass that cuts through the defence generally speaking me as the manager of the team will always say right boys learn from your mistakes put it right don't let it happen again and Southampton really didn't do that on the weekend. Um, three of the passes from Harry Kane that were put through to, to Son, I think were five, maybe ten yards inside the Southampton half with the defence basically on his back. Um, and then there was sort of 30 yards of space in behind. So I, fa- I found that quite strange that Southampton did that. Um, I, don't, I don't understand why Southampton, I think they should have play, uh, changed their formation. I certainly, I certainly feel that they should have defended deeper. I must admit I wasn't paying a great deal of attention as to what formation they were playing but I certainly felt like they they needed to defend considerably deeper than they did especially after one goal going in all right hands up maybe it was a good goal but once it happens a second time I think you've at that point whether the players do it themselves or whether it comes from the manager they had to change something and it just didn't look like they did um I feel like we're going to talk about VAR quite a lot this evening Mm. um the first instance um that we're going to talk about is was in this game where the Southampton penalty was given. Um, we've, we've talked about these new handball rules, but already there is massive inconsistencies and massive um, controversy surrounding the, 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 the rule itself and, and how it's perceived. I mean, this one, I'm assuming we're all agreed that we don't think this was a penalty. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, I mean, for those that haven't seen it, effectively, um, Doherty is holding the holding I think it was Shea Adams um at arm's length and he as Shea Adams tries to cross the ball it hits Harry Kane's foot it flicks up and basically hits Doherty um on the arm doesn't really um nobody really claims and the ball ends up falling onto, onto the edge of the box for a chance for Southampton anyway and then you're yeah, out of nothing VAR decides it was a penalty um so yeah, I, I don't really know where we go with the VAR um, and the handball rule because every referee seems to view it differently right now. Well, I think this they've changed it this season, haven't they? So it's supposed to be like the sort of sleeve. So if it's above the sleeve, um, it's not handball and anything below is. But it's, it still just doesn't. I think I think I said it before. It just needs to be common sense. You know, if someone blasts at me from two yards away and it's hit me in the hand, what am I supposed to do? Mm. I mean, if if your arm is in a 
the unnatural position as they as they like to call it i can sort of have a little bit of sympathy because it's always been the case of that if you're the team that's wanting the penalty you're screaming for it you think it's a penalty whereas if you're on the other side of it you think no that's never a penalty and you think it's very harsh that it's given but there has to be a middle ground here if if, if it's just a pure accidental flick off of someone's boot onto your arm i don't see how that can ever be a penalty no i think they're just trying to they're trying to simplify it by drawing a sort of i don't know the saying but like a white line um but the problem is it's it just doesn't work like that. It's, it's got to be a sense of common sense as well as this white line that they've tried to draw along it. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it is frustrating. And unfortunately, there, there were other... Um, it was not a good weekend for VAR. They did, there was one or two they, things they did get right uh, where I think VAR is perfect for, um, for those sort of situations. But I feel like handball, um, VAR is just making a real mess of it at the moment. So anyway, we'll talk more about VAR later, I'm sure. Um, just want to touch on Southampton quickly. Um, is, is Danny Ings too good for Southampton? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's had a banging start to the season. Yeah, I think obviously they wanted to keep him. And I mean, I think it will um, depend on how he does this season because sometimes it's, you know, you see it quite a lot. Players have a banging season. Like Andy Carroll for Newcastle had a banging season and not really done much since he moved elsewhere. The same as Ben Teke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think Danny Ings is a different case. I do think he's um, too good to be at Southampton. I mean, he, he obviously had a... Uh, he got his dream move to Liverpool and then had a uh, horrific knee injury, which really meant that he never got going at Liverpool and Liverpool sort of moved on whilst he was on the uh, in the injury room. Um, Spurs were one of the clubs that were linked with Danny Ings not so long ago. Do we think that Bale coming in, um, the we'll call him Sergio, Sergio from Real Madrid coming in. Um, do we think this potentially scuppers anywhere if we know Tottenham aren't always very keen to flash the cash? <laughs> I, I don't think uh, Spurs would be a good move for him, to be honest, because he's not going to be playing first-team football, which I think is what he needs to be doing. What about like a Leicester? Yeah, Leicester or even like an Everton or the way the way Cabot-Lewin's scoring goals at the moment, they don't even need him. So, mm. um, yeah, I think like a a team like a Wolves or something like that, that sort of team, I think he would be would be his next step. Like a top ten to top six. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was about to say West Ham, but then you said top ten to top six team, so <laughs> that puts us out of the equation. Well, I mean, you need him. He doesn't need you. <laughs> That's very true. Um, but yeah, rough start to the season for Southampton. I think it, if they do lose Danny Ings, it will get a lot rougher after that because yeah. even though they've lost both their games, uh, which is kind of strange because the last season wasn't that long ago, you'd thought they would carry some of that momentum from last season into this season. But so far, that's not happened. But if Danny Ings goes, I think they're really, they could be in for a very long season if Danny Ings was to leave. But fingers crossed for them, they can they can pick up. Um Right, moving on. Let's talk a little bit about Everton. We just touched on Calvert-Lewin there just briefly. Um, we spoke not long ago, Dan, about Calvert-Lewin and how actually we didn't rate him very much. Yeah. Are, are we in danger of needing to eat some humble pie here? Yes, I, you I are. Literally, uh, I wrote down my own notes saying I think I'm going to have to start rating Calvert-Lewin a bit more, to be honest. Um, I mean, one thing I didn't really rate on him or, or, or didn't really uh, give him credit for was actually how much of a threat he is in the air. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, hat-trick at the weekend, he scored uh, He scored another header at the weekend, which was not an easy header because it was sort of behind him. He obviously scored that towering header against Spurs last weekend. Um, 
is he the is he the backup striker that England have been looking for? Do you think? I mean, I know we might be getting ahead of ourselves here, but I, I mean, potentially, I guess. I think I'll say potentially. I don't want to, you know, jump in with two. We three. don't need a backup. We've got Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then uh, continuing the Everton theme as well. Obviously, they've had a very good start to the season. Uh, Hamas Rodriguez uh, dictating again. It, it, it's early days, and we've we've already done our predictions, so we can't change them for the season. Um, but is he already a contender for signing of the season? He's one of the ones we're looking at. Yeah, it looks that way at the moment, doesn't it? I kind of wish I'd put him in my team, but unless uh, I'm not going to talk about the fantasy league um, <laughs> with some of the decisions I made last weekend, all biting me in the ass again. I'm, I'm almost at the point of giving up already. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I did see a stat about Hamas Rodriguez that uh, he he didn't sprint once in that game of the weekend, and yet <laughs> and yet he made some extremely important. Um, he contributed to some very important moments in the game. He obviously scored a, a really nice goal. Um, he's dare I say he he looks he he reminds me a little bit of how Ozil was when Ozil first came to Arsenal. Um, just sort of, you know, everything it comes so naturally to him. Everything's so easy. Um, obviously, the Ozil story hasn't ended well, so we hope that doesn't happen for, for Rodriguez. Um, but uh, Everton looking strong. We're, we're, you know, do we think they can make a, a, a cheeky challenge for Europa, maybe higher? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think they'll be fighting for Europa League. Um, maybe Champions League. Depends on how everyone else. I mean, United, though. <laughs> not just United. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see what if they keep this up, then I don't see why they couldn't be fighting for sort of third place, really. Mm. Um, Mike Dean, a man who loves to be the centre of attention, um, sends one player off in the game, which was Kieran Gibbs. Um, did we see Billich's reaction at halftime? Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. Um, so Billich uh, came to the press after the game. I'm not entirely sure why he was so angry because it was one of the most blatant red cards I've seen. Um, he said, as a manager, I should be in a situation to ask the referee what's going on. I didn't swear. I asked him in a frustrated way, but I didn't go over the line. But he just ignored me, which is classic Deanie, um, and gave me a red. And then, I, and then I said, I told him, if you want to kill us, kill us. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we think, I mean, do, on any level, do we think Billich had, has a, a complaint here, not only with the red card, but also the way that he acted with the referee? I mean, it's, it's 100% a red card. I don't know why he's complaining about a red card. Because you know, you can't push people in the face. You've not been able to do that for a long time. So mm-hmm. I don't know why, unless he just didn't see it. But um, yeah, I can imagine Mike Mike Dean's a bit of a, a wind-up merchant, and he would probably annoy me as well, to be honest. I mean, Mike Dean has always had this aura about him that everything's about me. I mean, there's mm. been there's been plenty of compilation videos of Mike Dean and his antics on the pitch, um, especially when it comes to um, giving advantage. Uh, in the, in the game in the way in which he he likes to let everyone know that he's playing the advantage, but uh, I, I, I yeah I, I don't think Billich has really got too much to uh, to disagree with here. Um, no. Kieran Gibbs has already come out on Twitter and apologised for 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 his role. He's sort of taken the the blame for for the result, and as the result goes, it's a, it's another fairly heavy defeat for West Brom. Um, Ancelotti did say that he thought the result flattered his team a little bit, but sometimes when when you're on the receiving end of those games where you feel like the result flatters you so if you're if you're billets for example and you think you know what we didn't actually play that bad and we still got spanked yes we were down to 10 men 
But those sorts of results early in the season are not going to do much for his team's confidence. No, but then you also have to consider that they've played Leicester. Who are they? They haven't exactly played lower down teams, I wouldn't say. They yeah, they've played. not had the easiest start for fixtures, but at the same time, the amount of goals they have conceded in those games isn't isn't good. No, no. eight eight nice. goals conceded in two games is not a good start. No. No. So, and I, I, I know what you mean. You know, they have had a, a tough start to the season, but I think that when you, when you, as a newly promoted team, you have to, you have to be tight at the back. If, if you do have a tough start to the season, the Premier League, as we know, is a jump up um, in terms of quality and, and ruthlessness. Your pun, your mistakes will be punished a lot more than they would in the Championship. So, you know, if you're going to play those big teams and if you're going to lose, you've got to make sure you put in a good display and, and lose maybe one or two nil. Yeah, you've almost um, got to try and sort of play 10 men behind the ball and try and grab a 1-0 win when you're playing in teams like Leicester and you've just come up from the championship. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, West, if this carries on, I mean, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember who West Brom are playing. I didn't note it down. I, I don't know who they're playing next. But if they were to have... I mean, they've only got to lose two by two goals or, or concede two goals and they would have conceded 10 in the opening three games. And that is... Yeah, that's relegation form for me. They've oh, got they've wow. got Chelsea next. <laughs> oh boy, oh dear. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we'll get to Chelsea later. Um, I mean, that game is not a foregone conclusion that uh, that Chelsea walk out with a win there. But um, you get the feeling like sooner or later Chelsea are going to smash someone, um, and they will probably be licking their lips at the prospect of West Brom's defence right now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just before we move on, um, I just want a, a quick mention that uh, something that I'm not. In, in the least bit annoyed about is that Dean Garner was on the score sheet with a lovely goal. So we're just, we're just going to leave that there. <laughs> so I'm still not over it. <laughs> um, right then, uh, last game we're going to talk about then before the break. Um, I'm going to put a pound in Dan Hall and I'm going to let him loose because we're going to talk about Man United against Crystal Palace. Off yeah. you go, Dan. <laughs> I, I'm trying my best to try and stay sort of impartial and unbiased, but I know I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, I just we, we just don't look prepared at all, and we're not prepared at all. And I mean, I'll, you know, I mean, Palace have had sort of four games. I think they had two preseason games, and they've they've played a Premier League game and a cup game by the time they've played us. And all we've had is a preseason game against Aston Villa. So I think in terms of fitness and stuff like that, Palace will you could see it. Palace was so much fitter and so much more match ready than we were. Mm-hmm. But that still doesn't hide the fact that our squad should be beating their squad any day of the week. And that's not in disrespect to Palace. You just, you know, you compare the two teams and it should be an easy bet. It should, <laughs> it should be such an easy bet, but it, I mean, it never is. Um, but it just annoys me with like the sort of players that we've got in that squad. I mean, we've got the likes of Lingard, Jones, Smalling, Mata, Pereira, Rojo, and none of them even make the squad. And they're all easily on over a hundred grand a week each. If we start offloading some of these players, that's that's sort of six hundred grand a week in wages saved just mm. there. Just quick train of thought, where's Chris Smalling right now? Uh so he is still at the club and Roma, as far as I know, Roma are doing their best to try and buy him, but United want such and such money and Roma don't want to pay that much because he is like a thirty year old um unwanted player so they're trying i think they they want him for like 10 million united want 20 million and it's just it's just pointless to be honest mm. yeah i think 
I mean, obviously he had a great season in Roma. I don't see, I don't think 20 million is particularly unreasonable. In today's market, I don't think 20 million is unreasonable. But uh, there, ha- there comes a point. <laughs> Man United are all, almost doing the reverse uh, of what they do when they try and buy players. Um, with playing hardball and saying, no, we're only going to pay this much. And when they're selling, they're saying, no, we're only going to let him go for this much. Yeah, they uh, they play hardball saying we're only going to buy for this much, wait all transfer window and then buy them for the exact amount the club has asked for right at the end. Yeah, and by that point, you've lost him and you could have had him four or five games earlier. Yeah, and, and he, you know, we've lost three points against Palace now because we haven't signed Sancho, we haven't signed such, such. I mean, we've signed Donny van der Beek and <laughs> he came on and scored. Yeah. Um, I mean, on the, on the subject of team selection, I mean, I know that you're not a massive fan of Lindelof and I, I get the whole fitness issue, but I have to say he was one player that I looked at and thought, wow, you, you know, the, there was two goals in particular. I know he gave away um, the penalty, which we'll get onto in a minute, um, but the two goals that came from open play, I think Lindelof didn't, didn't do anywhere near enough defensively to stop I'd, those two goals from happening. Yeah, I'd, I don't think they're a very good partnership at all. I mean, obviously, you've got to stick with Harry Maguire because, you know, he's 80, he was £80 million pound player. Unfortunately. He's, he's the captain. <laughs> so at the end of the day, Harry Maguire is going to be in that team and he just doesn't partner up well with Lindelof at all. Um, we needed another centre-back and we've been linked with so many different players. I've lost count. I couldn't name them all. Um, but yeah, I just he's just not up to it. He's not up to it at all. Yeah, I think um, I think Palace got it spot on. I think we should we should definitely give them praise here. Um, yes, they may have been further along the fitness uh, track than than Manchester United are, but that doesn't get away from the fact that they picked their team. They had the tactics set in a certain way that they were going to try and catch United on the break. They allowed Zahar and Townsend to to be a little bit further up the pitch than you would normally be when you're sort of trying to park the bus effectively, um, and it paid dividends. Um, so uh, there's still no sign of Sancho, as you mentioned, Dan. Is this happening or is it not? Do you think this, the bus has gone on this one? I don't personally. I don't think it's happening. Um, but at the same time, I've seen lots of other United fans um, that do think it's happening. So I think it's very much 50-50. I mean, you know, if we keep losing to teams that we should be beating, then maybe the board will stick their hands in their pockets and think, oh, we do actually need these players. Um, mm. But yeah, like, as you just said, I just want to follow on what you said. I'm coming from United fan, obviously I'm raging, but I do think Palace deserved it, and I I would take nothing away from Palace whatsoever. They they played very well. How very humble of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously the fitness will come as we've said, but I mean, is is Sancho really the answer to United's problems? He's definitely He's part of it. He's part of the answer. I mean, you know, I'm not expecting. Um, miracles overnight and we were like 30 points off Liverpool last season this season we need to be 15 it's going to be slow steps but I mean losing our first game to Palace no offence to them again is not a step in the right direction it's it's pretty much gone back to where we were last season and I can see you know if this carries on and they don't give Solskjaer the players he wants he's going to get the sack mm. Yeah, I mean, this this will probably be something or a conversation that we will need to revisit in five or six games once Manchester United 
once the fitness argument can no longer be thrown into the equation <laughs> as an excuse for a poor performance, um, once we get to that stage and if Manchester United still aren't performing, then, yeah, I think deeper questions are going to be asked. I think for the moment they're going to get away with it or Solskjaer is going to get away with it um, for, by saying, you know, that the players aren't quite up to speed yet, etc. But in two or three games, that excuse isn't going to work anymore. No, I mean, I do think tactically it was it was poor as well. Scott McTominay is, is not a... He didn't play well at all. And I don't think he's a CDM, to be honest. Mm. He's more of a sort of box-to-box. He's a bit like a Pogba trying to... Obviously not as good as Pogba, but he likes to sort of be all over the pitch. And he's not very good at sitting back and just sitting in front of the uh, the defence. And also the right-hand side, pairing Fosu with Daniel James was just... I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> I mean, on the McTominay point, do you think that... Um, playing McTominay over Van der Beek, do you think that was a little bit of a show of just loyalty from Solskjaer to say to McTominay, you're still part of my plans? But yeah. you would think long-term that Van der Beek commands that place well ahead of McTominay. I think so, but the problem is I also, I don't know if Van der Beek wants, because obviously Van der Beek came on for Pogba, and I think that is Van der Beek's best position, that Pogba role. But So I don't know if you can play... The ideal situation is to play Van der Beek, Pogba and Bruno all in the same team. But I don't know if you can without sort of screwing with it too much. Yeah, I mean, all three of those players like like to be on the ball. They like to spray it around. Um, Van der Beek's probably got the most about him from a defensive standpoint. Pogba mm. can when he when he feels like it. But as yeah. you know, that de- depends which way the wind is blowing that day as to whether he feels like it or not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, let, I think we, we need to revisit this conversation in a couple of games time. Let's see where Man United are after a couple of games. We'll probably have more of an idea of what Solskjaer's plans are. Um, if he's still tinkering with the team, that would be another cause for concern because that would suggest that he doesn't know what his best starting eleven is. Um, well, I mean, after lockdown, he played the same starting eleven for, I think it was like 11 games in a row. So, I th- I think I don't know if Greenwood would have maybe played if the whole Iceland situation hadn't happened. I don't know if that's why he left him out. Um, I know Wan-Bissaka wasn't match ready, uh, but I think, like you say, it'll you know give it a couple more weeks after we've played. We've got a um, game against Luton coming up, um, so yeah, I think a couple of weeks down the line, if we're still. Then you're against Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like you're very much looking forward to that game <laughs> you won't bail or turn up and score a hat-trick after we <laughs> it'll be his first fight. game as well yeah um okay and then just finally about this game um i just wanted to talk about the, the sort of more var controversy um the handball was another well very ridiculous absolutely yeah i think this one was probably worse than the uh the tottenham one um for that again for those who didn't see it so uh, Lindelof is one-on-one with, with Jordan Ayew and Ayew I'm not entirely sure what he was even trying to do um I don't know if he was trying to sort of scoop and flick the ball up and over De Gea from just inside the box but as he does it it catches Lindelof's trailing arm not even his arm that's nearest the ball it's his trailing arm so when you're playing in when you're playing in a game, it's it's the arm that you can almost have least control over because it's behind you, it's kind of out of the way. It hits him on the knuckles, and the penalty is given, you know, to the amusement of everybody watching. And then VAR wasn't done there. Uh, De Gea <laughs> saves the penalty from Jordan Ayew, um, and then a retake is ordered because De Gea, De Gea was off his line. I mean, 
they've set an extremely dangerous precedent if, if they're going to be because De Gea wasn't even that far off his line um, mm. we've seen goalkeepers come an awful lot further off their line in previous times and penalty not be retaken um, and I would lay a good amount of money that we'll see this happen again a keeper will save it having been off his line and I can almost see it now that they will not get ordered as a, as a retake yeah, I mean the with the the one with the line, like if if that's a, I know they've made that a rule, and if they carry that out with every single game, then I I personally don't have a problem with. It. Obviously, I was in, I was annoyed, um, but if they you know if they stick with that every single game, then I don't have a problem with it. It's just the handball one for me. I, like I keep saying, you've just got to have common sense. Mm. I mean, I don't know whether the – I haven't actually read the rules. Maybe I should take a quick look at the uh, the latest official rules from the FA regarding handballs. But it always used to be the case of that it had to be a deliberate handball. You know, that was always one of the main parts of the handball rule. And it's since had various – Times um, have changed, mate. <laughs> well, it's, the, the rules have obviously changed slightly. There's different permutations of the same rule. But I always felt like that same kind of deliberate handball was still in there as the kind of the core rule, if you like. Um, it may not be anymore. I don't know. But uh, if we're giving handballs for that, we're we're not far off the hockey situation where you know if the ball hits your foot in hockey, it's an instant free pass, whatever it is in hockey, to the other team. Um, and I feel like we're not that far away from that in football at the moment. Problem is before the before when the um, the rule was sort of like it had to be intentional, this, that, and the other. There was questions, you know, how do you prove if it was intentional? And so their their solution was just to make everything handball. <laughs> yeah, it could hit uh, you on the fingernail and it's handball. I mean, I, part of me sort of respects that because that does at least it takes the grey area out. It it, it it's a, it's a line in the sand and it says basically right if it hits your hand it's handball. There's literally there is no two ways about it. So I sort of I don't agree with it. But I saw, at least I kind of accept the fact that at least we've got a common ground where everybody knows where they stand. There can be no debate. If it's hit its hand, it's a penalty. I, but I agree with what you're saying. But at the same time, you know, if you've say you're like a, a West Brom and you've fought hard against a Man City and then Kevin De Bruyne smashes a free kick at you and it hits your arm down by your side and they give a penalty and they score. Oh no! I mean, I, I, I'm, again, I don't, I don't agree with it, um, but at least, I can, at least, there can be no complaints about it. If you see what I mean, in terms to, you know, was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? If the, if the rule is that black and white, at least, it's consistent. But you know, as we well know, that is not going to be the case. Um, and you're absolutely right. If, if, if penalties are being given for those sorts of things, um, it's going to get farcical very, very quickly. So and then yeah, just to rub salt in the runes, it was retaken. Zaha took the penalty the second time around and scored. <laughs> so um, yeah, just to rub salt into the runes. So uh, we're now going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to have more talk about VAR. You'll be pleased to know after the break. Um, and we're also going to talk about Leeds getting their first three points of the season. So we shall see you in a few minutes. <laughs> of this third episode and we're going to start by talking about Chelsea against Liverpool um not exactly one for the purists this game um the second half of this game did resemble a little bit of an attack v defense training drill um 
I just wanted to start off by talking about some transfer dealings. Um, in particular, I found it quite amusing. I love a bit of hypocrisy in football. Um, Klopp criticising Chelsea's spending and then Liverpool then bring in Thiago from Munich and Diego Jota from Wolves. Um, does this give Liverpool the depth that they've been needing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it does. It does, yeah. I've always... So, well, last couple of seasons, every, I think everybody would say Liverpool have got one of the best starting 11s, but you look to the bench and there's nobody that sort of replaces. You know, you look at City and I think all of their squad could quite easily walk into the first team. I think that was almost the difference between yeah. Liverpool and City last year. Whereas Liverpool, you look to the bench and I mean, they're all good players, but the likes of sort of Shakiri and Origi, they're not like Gabriel Jesus and Sané, etc. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, obviously Thiago is a, is a signing that's been on the, the cards for a little while from Munich. So Liverpool fans would be pleased to get that over the line. He did show some nice touches when he came on at half time. Um, he obviously did give away the penalty, which uh, almost um, caused uh, a little bit of a, a sort of a black mark on his on his debut. Um, but I'm not entirely sure where Diego Jota fits into this side. I think he's just going to be a, a squad player, isn't he? He's, he's just going to come on when one of the others either gets tired or gets injured. Because he's sort of deployed as a winger for Wolves, was for Wolves. Yeah, I think he was left wing, wasn't he? And I, yeah. I can't see him getting in ahead of Mane anytime soon. Well, no. Um, Especially after the weekend. <laughs> no, but I guess, you know, if you look at Man City and the way in which they've been very clever with their squad rotation over the past couple of seasons... Um, obviously, didn't pay off last season because they were, you know, in the end, some considerable distance behind Liverpool. But for the most part, it's worked pretty well for them. And if Liverpool have now got the players to do it, especially with the kind of condensed fixture list that we we're, that we're going to have this season, um, maybe Jota is actually going to get a lot more games than we think he will. Yeah, I think they'll he'll be playing in cup games. He'll be playing in um, well European games. Um, so yeah, he will get game time. It will just be in those sort of games rather than Premier League games. You don't think he's you don't think he's gonna get much Premier League time? Do you think I think he'll is? come off the bench, but I don't think he'll start many Premier League games. Well he might be Klopp might be bringing him in so he can. Well I'm not you know, him. don't take my word for it, that's just my opinion. <laughs> Alright Dan, it's right. it's just, it's just an opinion show Dan. No one no one's having a go at yeah? <laughs> Um so just moving on to the game, Chelsea's new signing is not really firing yet, would you agree? Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Well, I think Werner's done all right. He's he's had two well, he um he's won two penalties for Chelsea, so I he's just not he's just not my team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> he's not scored yet, but he's won two penalties in two games, so he's getting in the right areas. Yeah, I think his movement off the ball looks very good. Mm. Um he's he's obviously got uh, got good pace um he looks hungry i think his time will come um kai havertz though he's flattered to deceive so far um still early days of course in his career but um he didn't really do a great deal against brighton and certainly didn't do a great deal in this game either um but uh, uh from a liverpool point of view from a defensive point of view particularly we picked up on that last last week when they were very poor against uh, leeds a lot lot better in this game yeah, much better. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I know you're going to talk about it later, but it was helped by certain situations in the game. But they did, <laughs> they did outplay um, Chelsea 100%. Yeah, I, I do want to highlight Fabinho as well. I think he was one player. I think we again we talked last week about this about 
who that sort of best three in midfield for Liverpool is. And for me, Fabinho has got to be in there more often than he's not. Um, his tracking back was superb. He was the one that actually was, in the end, ended up marking Werner. Yeah, and I, f- I feel sorry for Fabinho because I, I really rate him, but I think he's probably going to be the casualty for Thiago. Mm. Yeah, I don't think Henderson's going to be dropped. No, uh, although, was he injured at the weekend? Because he came off at half-time. Yeah. Who, Henderson? Yeah, he came off for Thiago at half-time, which I was quite Um by. I must admit, I wasn't sure. Um, I had the game on, I was watching it on Sky Go on my laptop, but I had the sound down at the time because we were we were eating dinner um, when the when the second half started. So I saw that he'd he'd come on, um, but I wasn't aware of, of anything with Henderson, so I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you could be right. I think Henderson... Wijnaldum is seems to be very much liked by Klopp, mm. yeah. um, and Thiago obviously that caliber of player is not going to be sitting on the bench every week for Liverpool. No, not at all. Especially at this stage of his career, he's towards the end of his career, so he's going to be he's going to get his use out of him. Mm. Um, uh, so the the game itself did sort of um, turn on on two particular moments in the game. The first was. Uh, was Christiansen harnessing his inner Jonah Lumu um, and bringing down bringing down Mane before he was able to get over the line to score a try? Um, <laughs> I mean, it was quite inc- an incredible tackle. Uh, <laughs> did you? Uh, I assume there's no uh, questions on the red here. But no, it was brainless. I, <laughs> I was. I, you can't even say it's a striker's tackle because I don't think any striker's stupid enough to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kepo obviously. I think it may have been Kepa's fault again here. Um, and bear with me on this. I know Christensen has done a very stupid thing. But I think if Kepa doesn't come out there in the way that he does, I think Christensen doesn't do what he does. If Kepa stays on his line, obviously Mane is probably going to have the pace on Christensen and he's in behind. But there's still work to do there. He wouldn't. I, I guess he wouldn't have gone for it because he'd known that Kepa was still up there to go again. Yeah. I think first half... You know, you just got to concede the goal. I, I think you're more likely to get back into the game a goal down than you are to play the next 45 minutes a man down. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, so when I when I saw it in in real time, and the referee obviously gave him a yellow card, so this is one example of where VAR uh, did do its job properly. Yeah. Um, when the yellow card came out, I thought, you know what? It's clumsy. It's stupid. It's not even clumsy because it's clumsy sort of... Uh, gives off the impression that it's accidental when it absolutely was not. Um, but yeah, when I, when I saw it in real time, I thought, yeah, yellow card, keeper's got there, Mano's not going to get there first, that's fine. But then obviously the referee goes off and checks the monitor, which is great. I like to see the referee doing that, even though it does slow the game down a bit more. At least it means the referee's sort of taking responsibility for, for what's going on. And then we saw the replays and yeah, absolutely. Mane's 100% getting there before Kepa. Um, and, and the red card was obviously issued. So that is kind of mistake number one. Um, they didn't score from that uh, from that moment. It took until the uh, the second half before Liverpool got involved. But as soon as they came out in the second half, it was it was never going to be anything other than Liverpool win. No, no. Um, I'm sure Klopp probably didn't have to say too much at half time, other than just go finish the game, go win that game. Um, because yeah, if Christensen put them straight in the deep end after that. Yeah, I think 
Liverpool in the second half were, were were dominant. They passed the ball really well. They kept the ball really well. Chelsea, if I'm honest, it, you know, it didn't look like Liverpool v Chelsea. It looked like Liverpool were playing a, a lesser light team in, in the in the league. Um, now that's not necessarily a criticism on Chelsea. That's probably played because they were playing with ten players. Um, and Chelsea just frankly just could not get the ball off Liverpool. I mean, even when they did, um, they couldn't then get the ball or enough players forward to to support the attack. So whilst the, whilst they did have moments in the game, especially to you know sort of the latter part of the second half, they had obviously the penalty. Which I actually am I the only one who didn't think that was a penalty? Uh, I I did think it was a penalty. I think if you look closely, and it's a harsh one, but Thiago just sort of goes behind Werner, and as his leg comes up, he just sort of brushes past his studs i think we definitely both questioned it yeah but i think when you're running with the ball and you you just sort of feel that touch you do go down um so i i personally think it was a penalty but a very you know it's 50 50 if they hadn't given it i wouldn't have really blinked an eye did yeah fran did you think it was a penalty um I don't know. I, I I remember I watched it a couple times and I watched it on the highlights a couple times as well. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the jury's still out. I I mean when I watched the replays back, I I looked as closely as I possibly could on the, the on my laptop screens. I wasn't looking on a big TV. Um, and I just I I really couldn't see where the contact was. I mean obviously I knew that the players crossed and therefore it had to have been at that point that the contact was made. It's um, a isn't it? Yeah, I think as his studs, as his back leg comes up, he just sort of Thiago just brushes past it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, it was it was seemed so soft, and I kept looking at it, thinking, I'm not I'm not seeing anything there. But but then when the camera sort of pans away, almost nobody is complaining. So I'm like, yeah. oh okay, it, it must be a stonewall penalty then. And then yeah, and then they showed the replays. I'm like, oh okay, well why is no one complaining about this? You know, there have been far more clear cut penalties that people have been whinging about. Um, unless Liverpool were just that confident, it didn't matter if they were going to score anyway. We were still going to win. Um, but uh, and then and then obviously uh, Jorginho uh, with the penalty <laughs> kind of was a icing on the cake for the day. Uh, in fact, no, this was this was the icing on the cake. The cherry on the cake was yet to come. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean it wasn't the worst penalty in the world, but it, it was a good save. Um, but it wasn't the best penalty in the world either at the same time. Yeah, Jorginho has that style, that technique of, of taking his penalties. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, when you miss with a technique like that, you look like a, a Wally. Yes, absolutely. Um, so Jorginho was very much the Wally of the day, or one of many. Um, and then the Kepa, actually, in fact, you know what? That happened after Kepa, I'm lying. The Kepa thing was, was before that. Yeah, it was um, time, yeah. Yeah, so okay. Kepa, I mean, I had a message um, from a friend today. Uh, I mean, you guys know him. Uh, Joey, Chelsea fan, um, and he, he kindly messaged and said, you know, I'm, I'm listening to your podcast, it's great, etc. Um, and he said, oh, when you record your next one, feel free to really go all in on Kepper and how shit he is. <laughs> um, and we that know Joey. Sound like Joe. <laughs> we know Joey is not one to mince his words, um, but uh, I, 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 I kind of feel his pain in this one. You know, Kepper is every single week it seems is costing Chelsea goals. Yeah, I mean, against Brighton, he sort of showed why Lampard doesn't have much trust in him. Um, it was a fairly, I mean, not that I can't really talk, <laughs> but from my point of view, it was a fairly simple save to sh- um, simple shot to save. 
um, but he seemed to just sort of dive over the top of it. And then, you know, you can tell he's a keeper under pressure. But I think as a player, he's just completely lost his confidence. Yeah, but... We've um, seen it happen before with loads... With yeah, I mean, well, even De Gea. De Gea was making the same sort of he mistakes. Wobble, yeah, um, but I think, well, I, th- I think as far as I know, they've they've signed this um, other goalkeeper now, so... Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. so Eduard Med- Mendy, sorry, is uh, is coming. Apparently, he's having his medical at the moment. Um, but it's, yeah, assuming that goes through, I think that's a done deal. But maybe that was on the back of his mind, you know, going into these last two games. That no matter what, he's pretty much lost his place. Yeah, but if you were in that headspace, surely, surely you'd want to prove that you've still got a fighting chance. Well, apparently not. <laughs> yeah, he could have done. Yeah, I mean. One thing that did amuse me today is that I saw that Declan Rice, the the, the sort of transfer star saga that's been rumbling on for quite some time, uh, Lampard has apparently changed his view on the role he which he wants Declan Rice, Declan Rice, sorry, to play when he comes to Chelsea. And just for a brief moment, I just thought, I wonder if he's going to put him in goal ahead of Kepa. <laughs> <laughs> Probably do a better job, to be fair. <laughs> it does make you question though why Frank Lampard's been playing him. Yeah, he probably. Probably should have gone with Caballero because um, after lockdown he was picking Caballero over Kepa. I think he should start the season with Caballero. Well, I guess he thought, you know, new season, I'll give him a fresh start and it's just it's just not panned out at all. I mean, there was talks that Lampard had had those conversations with Kepa and Lampard had basically said that he's prepared to give this give Kepa another chance. He's, he's confident that he can turn the corner. I think maybe in the back of his mind he was thinking back to when De Gea first came to the Premier League. Um, and obviously was very, very ro- uh, rocky and then had probably four or five seasons where you could argue that he was possibly the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, he's obviously now not quite gone the full circle. He's not quite that old to hate, but he's not far off. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see any redemption now for Kepa at Chelsea. I, I, unless Mendy is being brought in to be a number two, which would be crazy. I don't see a, 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 um any chance of, of Kepa's career at Chelsea going on for a, a great deal longer. He's definitely out for the minute. Um, I think those those days where, you know, you, you were allowed to have sort of two, three seasons to find your form are gone. I think if, if you're not a if you're not an instant impact, you're pretty much gone or sat on the bench. I think tra- transfer fees obviously have a lot to do with that and the, the fact that Kepa is the world's most expensive goalkeeper has certainly not helped um, the uh, the narrative around him and, and people's perception of him. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Eduard Mendy can do coming in. Um, I think for 22 million, if he turns out to be a better keeper than Kepa, that's a, probably an even bigger, a bad indictment on Kepa, the fact that he costs 75 million. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to say with Chelsea. They've had a little bit of a, um, a rocky start. They weren't brilliant at Brighton. To say the least, they obviously they got the win. Uh, Reese James scored that extremely uh, nice goal, uh, smashing it into the top corner. But they weren't that convincing. They certainly weren't convincing here. So, are there a few worrying signs for Chelsea? Do you think, or do you think this is too early to, to sort of make those court of judgments? No, I mean a, a lot of their new signings still haven't played. Joe, you still got Ben Chilwell and Zayek. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I assume it's Zayek. Um, you still got those to come in, plus Thiago Silva. Um, I know he's never played in the Premier League before, but I think he'll be a good influence going into that that defensive line. Get there, mm-hmm. sack off Kepa. You've still got the other two newbies that have only played two games. Mm. Uh, I think they'll start to gel. I think give it a couple more weeks and they'll start to gel and they'll, they'll become a bit of a force. But 
I I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the title this season. It will be again it'll, for them. It will probably be trying to um, trying to stay close to City and Liverpool and trying to get that third spot. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, just before we move on, just a quick shout out, even though, again, because the game is happening right now, uh, we can't talk about it, but it's worth noting that Man City are 2-0 up against Wolves at halftime. Uh, goals from De Bruyne from the penalty spot and Phil Foden on the score sheet. Um, so interesting to see that Pep has actually uh, he picked uh, Foden to start tonight. So that's quite the um, quite the nod to him. And Ake. And Nathan Ake starting as well. Yeah, so... Um, I don't I know whether that's his. <laughs> he said he wouldn't play. Well, no. <laughs> God's sake, Dan, honestly. Don't listen to him. Honestly. I'm supposed to know everything. <laughs> uh, you're doing this podcast. For all intents and purposes, you are a football guru. <laughs> um, right, so uh, moving on um, to Leeds against Fulham. We won't talk about this in huge detail, but it, it's, it is definitely worth talking about. Um, Leeds picking up their first points of the season. Um Goals galore, um, and if Leeds keep this up, they're going to be some team to watch this season. Yeah, I mean, out of every team, I think Leeds are probably the ones that everybody wants to watch at the moment. But I, they're not going to be able to go every single game scoring four goals and conceding three, though. It's going to bite them in the arse eventually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, two games in, seven goals scored, seven conceded. Um, I mean, it's not just the goals they're scoring, it's the calibre of the goals they're scoring as mm. well. Um, I mean, the first goal from Helder Costa was an absolute rocket from a, a very tight angle. It's the sort of sort of time when that was pretty much the only place he could have put that to score, um, and it was it was a brutal strike. Worryingly, Bamford has now got two in two, um, which is getting me slightly itchy feet with this bet that I've got going on with a friend about how Bamford won't get more than ten goals this season, um, <laughs> and he, he's looking pretty sharp already with two and two. Um, so do we think Leeds can keep this up or do we think this is um, the sort of stereotypical newly promoted team still riding high from last season's achievements um, and that this is going to peter out or do we think that they can keep this going? I don't, I don't think these sort of high scoring, high conceding games will continue. That um, I think it will slow down and go back to reality. I think a lot of it is also on the fitness. Um, a lot of sides still not fit and that's why we're seeing so many goals. So mm-hmm. I think, a, you know, a few more weeks down the line, it, the score lines will start to go back to normal, I would have thought. But, but, great moment. but yeah, I mean, you know, not complaining. I'm enjoying seeing these four free games and five three games. And <laughs> I hope it continues all season. Yeah, not, not many clean sheet bonuses to be had for any fantasy teams out there this weekend, I don't think. Um, and then as far as Fulham go, uh, two games in, they've conceded seven goals. Uh, in those two games, not an awful performance, but a little bit like West Brom. You know, when you're when you have good performances, but you're still conceding that many goals and losing the game, um, sooner or later you can't just, as a manager, you can't just keep saying, you know, we're playing really well, guys, keep going, the results going to come. Um, sooner or later that result has to come, and if it doesn't, you know, you start digging yourself into this rut, and it can be very difficult to get out of it. Yeah, obviously Fulham came up before, and they spent sort of a hundred million. And went straight back down. I think this season they've tried. Well, they've learnt from their lesson and not spent as much. And it, it doesn't really but seem to have doesn't seem to have helped at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously Mitrovic was was back in the starting lineup. Um, obviously last week, as you said, mentioned last week, Dan, that he was very uh, probably tired after his international um, 
games that he had during the week, so he didn't start last weekend. But back in the team uh, this weekend, back amongst the goals, um, he's going to be massive for Fulham if they want to stay up this year. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, and then just finally for, for Leeds, um, one sort of stat that I took a look at, which was which lends weight to how well they're potentially going to do this season, if they can keep up this, uh, this, this form, is that um, of their seven goals that they scored so far, five players have contributed to the goals already this season. Um, yeah. Now, for, for a newly promoted team, it's so important to not have... You know, it, like Fulham's case, for example, they are going to be very reliant on Mitrovic to score the goals this season. Um, but if you can have a situation like Leeds, granted, it's only two games into the season. But if we get to 10 games into the season and they've got six, seven, eight players who've all contributed to the goals and they're winning games, that's massive because it takes the pressure off of those number 10 and number nine strikers. Yeah, it's bang. It's like a city, isn't it? You can just swap players in and out and they're all going to score, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully so yeah but, but I think uh, everyone is going to be very much looking forward to watching Leeds this season I think uh, 16 years outside of the Premier League I think getting that win back in the Premier League uh, in your first home game is massive for them it's a real shame that obviously the fans weren't there to enjoy that with them um, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have fans back in stadiums in the not too distant future but with the way the things are tracking at the moment with the with the government and the lockdown then oh, it's every. You. There's, yeah, there's every chance that's going to be put, pushed back until at least next year uh, or, or next calendar year anyway. Um, so, right, that sort of uh, concludes all of the, the chat about the Premier League game. So let's uh, let's go back to Dan, the stat man, uh, and let's remind ourselves of the question and then we'll have a, a quick stab at the answer and then you can uh, you can let us know what it is. Um, yeah, so the, <laughs> the question was... Um, Hurricane assisted Son with four goals this weekend, but it was the first time a player had assisted another player's entire hat-trick since Arsenal played Sunderland back in May 2003. So can you name which two Arsenal players were involved in both scoring and assisting with that hat-trick? Um, I am going to say 2003. My guess is Henri with the hat-trick and it was Robert Pires that did the assisting. Close. So it was Freddie Lundberg with the hat-trick and Thierry Henry was the one assisting. Oh, I mean, it, it had to be at that time. It had to have been those sorts of players. Yeah, but, I, mean, uh, I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Well, uh, kudos to anyone uh, listening that got that right. Uh, and now it's time for the inaugural Franz game show. I need to get like a... Uh, I need a jingle. Uh, yeah, a jingle. Yeah, we need a jingle. I'll work on one. I'll find one. Right. All right. Well, welcome back to Football <laughs> with Fran, everybody. <laughs> so, today, both of you, we're going to talk about the 10 most expensive football transfers of 2016, if you can cast your minds back. I, mean, I can barely remember yesterday. I know. This is why I did it, because I know your memory is horrendous. <laughs> so... What we're going to take it in turns if you right, well, I'll go first because I know one. Yep, all right, hold your horses. <laughs> if you could both name a player each one by one, and then uh, you've got 20 guesses each, so I need 10 to make up this list. I've got the top 10, you've got 20 guesses each. 20 I'll guesses write each. down your guesses, um, yeah, and I'll let you know if they're, if they're right. Okay. 
I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to reel off twenty names if I'm being brutally honest. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> right. You know, the world is our rooster. All right, well Dan Chris, do you mind if Dan goes first? He's very keen. <laughs> well, you know, so I, I wouldn't I don't want to be the one to get in the way of uh, of Dan's one player that he can name. Chris, well, there you, is literally one. <laughs> I think of one. I really I really hope it's not the one that I'm thinking of as well. Well, I'm pretty sure it's the season we signed Pogba. You would be correct, yeah. Okay, that wasn't who I was thinking of, so that's fine. I that little <laughs> ding noise in there, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm gonna say Luis Suarez. <laughs> Hold on. Prepared. I don't think he's on here. No, it's a no. Oh. What's that? Four years ago. Yeah, well done. <laughs> That's, a long that's, that's not that's not a right answer. He doesn't get a point for that, right? <laughs> that counts, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, we signed Pogba. God, I don't get any time to think about it. Um, yeah. Uh, Pogba. I'm trying to think who else. There's a few others in the prem. Well, you're gonna have to edit this out, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Just this is. Excellent uh, listening for our uh, for I our listeners. Be quite quick fire. And that, it's tough thinking back four years. I think you may have overestimated our football knowledge here, Fran. Well, yeah. well, just my memory and. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of other names in my head, but I don't know whether they were 2016. Uh, it's my turn, isn't it? Uh... We need like the countdown clock. Higuain. Um, yeah. Oh, two nil already. Like that, so I didn't know his first. <laughs> Gonzalo. Chris. So I said Luis Suarez. I if it wasn't that year, he must have been the year before. So therefore, I'm going to go with Philippe Coutinho. Yeah, that's a good shout. It is a no. Ooh. What? Remember, this is the top ten most expensive. Yeah, he was very expensive. He was very expensive, so it just <laughs> it must have like been the year. Fifty mil. Oh. Maybe well, that was the year after. Just like um, to say that uh, I'm not accusing anyone of cheating here, but I'm in Cornwall and you two are in the same room, so I just want, <laughs> I just I want to let our viewers, I just want to let our viewers know that or our listeners know that. <laughs> Fran is sat the other side of the sofa to me, if that's any uh, help to you. Right, come on. Uh, yeah. Um, Diego Costa. No. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, okay let me throw some team names at you so we've got a big player from the weekend for Liverpool uh, Mo Salah no oh really it's the other, it's the other one isn't it what a belly Mane, <laughs> <It's> Mane. <laughs> <laughs> why did I say that big player from the weekend of course it's Mane uh, big game of the week 41 mil oh man it's not going well um, this is when they signed Mane. That's a long time ago. It was four years ago. Uh, Luke Shaw? <laughs> nah, I don't think we signed him for that much Who money. Who are you? That wouldn't be top ten, Absolutely would it? Absolutely not. No. That's your guess, by the way. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, it is. Chris, we've got um, a Man City slash England player, another Man City player, Arsenal. Kyle Walker? No. Well, that was a good shout. Good shout, though. It's similar. Oh, no, I don't want to keep giving it. 
Can I have like points for these good guesses? <laughs> Sympathy points. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Gabriel Jesus. No. What other man? Man, sick. Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to give you a hint then, and you just work with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that was an incorrect answer again. Then. I think so. <laughs> oh man. I'll make it easier next week. Edison? Absolutely not. Oh. Absolutely not. Um, right, what Chris, City players? Go on okay. then, give us a quick clue. Yeah, City, in a similar position to Carl Walker. Similar position to Carl Walker. Plays for England. John Stones? Yeah, yes. I knew it was. Yes, I'm on the I'm on the board. Ding. That doesn't matter if you basically gave me the answer. I'm on the board. <laughs> Starts with a J, ends with an F. Okay, well, we can we can keep guessing, or people, you can leave it in the comments who you think are the other the other ones. Currently, we've got you've named four of the top ten most expensive ten. I've got a couple more names in my head before right, I give up. Yeah. Um, Hulk, the Hulk. Yeah. Oh, oh! Now you've opened up a can of worms. There, I forgot about the whole China. <laughs> okay, if we're going down, if we're going down that route, um, who else went for a big money move? Um, what's that guy's name? Um, I think he's Argentinian. Oh man. There's still Not... a few Prem players. Is there a Belgian that went to China? That sounds like a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two, two Belgians walk into a bar in China. Uh, I'm going to say. Oh, so I'm gonna... No, I'm not going to go for the 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 Chinese one because I can't remember his name. I know he was at one point, he was the most expensive uh, player in terms of wages. I can't. I, think, I can't remember his name. I th- it might be who I'm thinking of. Might um, okay, let me switch back to the prem. So 2016, so four years ago. So let's go. Who would Chelsea have signed at that point? Um, uh, Alvaro Morata. No. Mine was Yannick Carrasco. No. Oh. That wasn't who I was thinking of. Dan, so it's oh. fine. <laughs> Went from think, Atletico Madrid to think, China. Think who United signed. Yeah, I knew. I thought there was an. Think who Arsenal. Martial. No. But I knew there was another one. Think with who Pogba. Arsenal signed. Think who City signed. Who did we sign? Of our viewers, I was shouting. <laughs> their, their phones Actually, are listening. No, to I knew China. there was another I feel United like I'm player. At you. I'm just trying to think who. They are they still there or are they gone? Go on. Yeah, I thought so. Oh, God, I'm so proud of myself that I knew that. <laughs> it makes it harder that they're gone there. Um, oh, no, I know who it is. I know who she's talking about. Oh, do you? I think. I'm trying to think. Okay. 2016, five, was that Moisey? Four. No, it was Mourinho. Three. Oh, I don't know. Two. Fellaini? <laughs> 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 I don't know. Chris? Angel Di Maria? 
No. Oh, no. That's a good shout, though. I was sure of that. It must have been a wrong year again. It's Mourinho's. Mourinho's first season. That's when he signed Pogba. Who else? Who else did he sign? What position? No. Does that give it away to Hang you? on a minute. You're winning. You, sh- you don't get these clues. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're not allowed to both shout out. Oh god, I don't know. Chris Think City. Yeah. Mendy? No. They signed him for quite a bit. I hope you're gonna edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with um Oh man, what's his name? This is probably gonna be my last guess anyway, so I'm just gonna say who it is I'm thinking of. Um it's the the keeper before Edison. Oh, yeah. No. Bravo. Okay. Bravo. Claudio Bravo, yeah. Right. Any, any more guesses, Dan? No, I think I've smashed Chris. So. Yeah, I mean, you've won, but it was quite a failure from your both, if I'm honest. Yeah. I was expecting... <laughs> 20 guesses each, we could only think of, like, two. I was expecting more. From you, so <laughs> you know what's going to happen now, though? Yeah. What's going to happen now is that, you know, when you do, like, a pub quiz and then you, you, you think you know the answer and then when the answers are in you're going, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah, I, I knew that. The amount of quizzes I've done during lockdown, I should know pretty much everything. Oh, everything? I'm not saying I do, I said I should. <laughs> okay, so in 10th was Manu. Yeah. Ninth. Mikatarian. Oh. This is where I was going yeah. Eighth, Jackson Martinez. Yeah, that's the China one. Oh, did someone say that? No, I think that's one of the ones that we were <laughs> oh. trying to get. Um, seventh, Granite Xhaka. Never would have guessed that. How much did he cost? Uh, 45 mil. Fuck it, they must have been laughing all the way to the bank for that. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Sixth, Leroy Sané. Oh, yeah. Cool. Ah. Um, how do you say that? Alex Tazera. Alex Tazera, fifth. Four, 50 mil. John Stones, 55.6 mil. Worth every penny. Every penny. <laughs> uh, Hulk, 55.8 mil. In second, Higuain, 90 mil. And then first... A horrendous player and a horrendous price. Pogba <laughs> for a hundred pounds. Well, it. I think that was a success. Well, I'll, first we'll one, a bit, bit of trial and error. Yeah, I think uh, this this was always going to be like a um, a measuring stick for Fran to sort of test our knowledge. Now she knows that we're absolute shit. <laughs> <laughs> next week is going to be. It, we're going to shine next week. I mean, I'm tempted to cut this entire segment out because it's embarrassing for us, frankly, Dan. <laughs> right. Not too bad. Right. Well. So, so Dan goes 1-0 up. Um, Fran will, uh, no doubt, go back to the drawing board to try and find something that me and Dan are, um, yeah, not going to embarrass ourselves on. But that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was good. I feel like I had we had some really good guesses in there, but I feel like they were just the wrong years. I think we're maybe a year or two out. But, yeah, uh, that's, the, that's, that's the thing. It was just, uh, like you say, one or two years out, and you're just trying to pinpoint that exact year. That was the tough bit. So Right, okay. Well, um, yeah, hopefully the recording of this is going to come out well. Um, we did do a very brief test beforehand, and it sounded fine. So hopefully this has been listenable for everybody, if that's even a word. Um <laughs> and yeah, 
we'll be back to normal next week so thank you very much for listening everyone we have obviously got our social media stuff all fully set up now so we are on twitter and facebook at kickabout pod we are also on spotify we are on itunes we're on google podcasts um and we're on soundcloud and if you i think if you search now on your whatever podcast app that you use i think you should find us on there now as well but uh um yeah we're, we're, we're slowly growing so thank you very much for listening we will see you all next week uh thank you dan thank you fran for joining and making this uh, work tonight i appreciate this has been a little bit of a, a different one tonight that's all right thank you chris and uh, we shall see everyone next week bye, bye.